Welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. I'm your humble host, Dan Capril. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day. And we bring this program to you every single week. And I hope that uh, with each week you find it to be uh, more and more informative. Today, I'm going to get into one of the most common questions I get asked, which is, you know, when can I retire? And it's a natural question. Most of us, uh, and maybe this is unfortunate, but most of us are working to retire. There are a few people that I know, I probably would include myself in that group, where retirement, for the sake of not working, is not something that we aspire to. And that's rare. I think that for the most part, you should aspire to a point in your life where you can kind of hang it up from a day-to-day, the, the daily grind, and you should certainly uh, look to enjoy yourself. If you're, if you're blessed with family, blessed with good health, Oh, that's a great time, and it's um, it's something that you should aspire to, or at least the very least have more free time. So if you're a physician, for example, and you just can't see yourself ever truly hanging it up, of course, you know eventually you will have to, but that's fine. But I think it, it usually comes down to an issue of having enough free time. So the question I often get is, what do I look at in order to determine when I can retire? And the first answer is, you can always retire whenever you want. The real issue comes down to is on how much. Because, you know, you could obviously retire when you're Social Security eligible and live on that. Or you can wait. I know that may sound obvious to you. But the point of the matter is that until you come up with an idea as to how much money you're going to need, we can't even begin to answer that question. And believe it or not, a lot of people aren't even sure of that answer. They're like, well, I don't know how much I'm going to need. Well, why don't we start with how much you currently spend? And believe it or not, that's a challenging question for a lot of people to answer. So I'll start off by saying, all right, if you don't know, then let's engage in an exercise. And for the next 30 days, I want you to track every single dime that you're spending. And if you do that, obviously, we're going to get some good data. You're also going to make some real interesting self-discoveries. You're going to find out that you tend to spend money on things you don't need, i.e. waste. And that's very useful. Uh, I've had some people, though, tell me that when they did the exercise, they found themselves trying to spend less. In fact, one client even said it made her feel poor. Now, I didn't tell her not to spend any money. I just simply stated that I wanted to know what she was spending. But obviously, if you're going to keep it in the forefront of your mind at all times, you're going, to, you're going to be made aware. But we have to start with that. The process then is really not all that complex. It does require some analysis, and it does require that that analysis be updated regularly. To start off with, though, we first look at what sources of guaranteed income do you get? So do you receive money from Social Security? Most people do. If they don't get Social Security, they usually get a pension. Some people get both. Fantastic. Not too many people get both Social Security and a pension. So that's obviously our guaranteed income floor, if you will. That's the amount of money that you can expect to come in, rain or shine. If that's enough to meet all your needs, great, we're done. Doesn't matter anything else. Usually, though, I find people would like a little bit more. All right, fine. So now we look at what other savings do you have beyond that? I mean, obviously those two really aren't savings. So what have you saved up that we can add to the equation? Now, given the way that you've positioned your money presently, there is a reasonable return that we should be able to expect to get from it, as well as a reasonable level of risk that we should be able to get from that money, the way you currently have it positioned. Now, I will tell you from my experience, most people take on far too much risk for the return they are settling for. So by having their portfolio more efficiently diversified, 
they are going to hopefully be able to get a higher return with maybe even less volatility. But it's important that we first look at the direction in which you are headed. If your current allocation is not optimal, then adjustments should be made. Now here's the real challenge. No one has any idea what your rate of return is going to be each and every year. They don't. You don't know. I don't know. So we can't just run one projection and assume we've hit it right, because we won't. There's absolutely no way we will know what your returns are going to be year to year. So instead, what we need to do is understand the variance of returns that you are likely to have, the level of volatility that your portfolio is likely to produce, and what are the range of returns that you're likely to get in any one year given that level of volatility. So if I know that statistically a given portfolio is likely to produce in any one year rate of return from, say, minus 12 to plus 28, that means you can get a rate of return anywhere in between there. Again, I don't know what it's going to be year to year, but I know that it's highly likely the return is going to be within that range. So what we need to do is we need to determine, given that level of volatility, is that range going to be adequate enough? And the only way you can do that is to run multiple simulations using random rates of return within that range. That may sound complex, but it's really not. But it really comes down to understanding what it is your portfolio is likely to do. And if it's less than optimal, you need to restructure it. Now, we can simplify this a little bit more. In some cases, we will actually create what is referred to as a bucket strategy, where you put money in different types of accounts and set different consumption dates for them. So for example, if somebody needed an extra $10,000 a year from what they were getting in pension social security, well, for the first five years, that money could easily be set aside in a bank account. You know you're gonna spend it down in five years. The money that you're gonna need from years six to 10, you could take a little bit more risk with that, and you're gonna to need to because of inflation. The money that you're gonna need from years 11 through 15, you could do that. You could put that in a slightly more volatile portfolio and then everything that you're gonna need from year 16 and on can be invested differently. That's another approach that you can take forward. But we just have to look at where you are, what you have. Now keep in mind, we also have to factor in the threats to your retirement. So inflation, I kind of referred to that one previously. Taxes, the fact that your savings are probably going to get taxed. So what steps could we do now to dramatically reduce your savings during retirement. That needs to be done. Volatility, we need to make sure that we factor that in. Longevity, the possibility that you could live longer than expected. These are the types of, of variables that have to be factored in when that strategy is being done. Now, if you take into consideration all those factors, then you will, in essence, have created a retirement income machine, if you will. A friend of mine likes to call it the perpetual retirement income machine or a prim. And that's really what good planning does. It not only looks at the, the direction you're heading and, and your likelihood for return, but it also factors in all these other variables that go forward. Now, if you don't have that type of planning, if you don't think that those types of things are being measured for you, well, frankly, you really owe it to yourself to get it done. So obviously, if, if, if it's something that you want to seek somebody else to help with, we could help you. If not, somebody else. But I strongly recommend that you explore that and make sure that that level of complexity has been applied to your strategy. You can't do this on a uh, Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. No, it just can't be done. So if you want to learn a little bit more about our process and how we ultimately crunch the numbers, if you will, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, my office number, 513-563-7526. 
That's 513-563-PLAN. And so if you want to think of 513-563-7526 or 513-563-PLAN, either way. Also, you can feel free to reach out to me, dan at matsonandcaprill.com. And uh, feel free to schedule time with our office. Be happy to sit down with you. Nikki and I will get a feeling for the direction you're heading. If you need our help, we'll tell you. If you don't need our help, I'm going to tell you that as well. I hope you found that to be informative. I look forward to talking to you again next week on Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.